Welcome to Vikings Happy Hour, where we mix our favorite beverage and talk of your Minnesota Vikings. Hello and welcome back to another week's edition of Vikings Happy Hour. I am stoked this week for our guests. We have Stephen Turner joining us uh, from ESPN's 102.7 The Game out in Kentucky. How are you doing tonight? Oh man, I'm great. Thanks for having me and uh, really looking forward to it, man. Yeah, I'm. we got a lot of fun stuff to talk about with Stephen, so everyone stay tuned here. And, and then we got Ryan. Ryan's back another week. I'm going to have to start calling him my co-host for how many times he's hopped on here. Um, how are you doing, Ryan? I'm great. Yeah, enjoying uh, another great beer from Angry Inch, as always. So, you know, I went down there earlier today, and they said that they're in the liquor store now. So they're over at Top Ten Liquors in Rosemount. So if you're ever in Rosemount, you can get some good beer. There you go. I'm just I'm just sipping on a I, I tried a vodka sour tonight. I wasn't really feeling a beer thing, so uh rolled with the the vodka sour and you know what? It's not too bad. It's kind of refreshing. Steven, you got anything? You drink yeah, anything? Yeah, I got uh, got my Buffalo Trace. Uh, yeah. <laughs> got to keep it real in Kentucky. Got to go bourbon, man. Absolutely. Well, uh I appreciate you all joining me uh this evening. Um you know, it's kind of we're in that time frame where we're starting to hear some rumors about players, but it, for the most part, it's, it's pretty boring, right? We just speculate, speculate, speculate. Um, but we will continue to do that on this show. Um, and a main reason that Stephen, that you are here tonight um, is to talk about someone who I've mentioned in the past. Uh, we've seen it on Twitter a little bit, but Keelan Cole, um, an impending free agent uh, was with the Jacksonville Jaguars and, you know, Viking fans have have kind of connected the dots and said, hey, maybe that's that's a receiver we should go for uh, to fill our wide receiver three spot. We've seen rumors out there about it. Half the fan base is split. They just want to draft one. They don't want to sign us. Tell us about Keelan Cole, how you know him um, and, and any stories that, that you might have. Um, I'll let you kind of take it away. Yeah, you know, Keelan, <clears throat> I think he'd be a great fit. Uh, most Keelan, uh, Keenan McCardell is really the connection that I, that I draw to, uh, to Keelan. And uh, I knew Keelan, uh, he started covering Kentucky Wesleyan football, which is where he went to college uh, here in Owensboro, Kentucky. Uh, they're not known for their football. They're a, they're a miserable football school, uh, but they have seven championship banners in basketball. They're one of the most winning basketball programs in the nation, but uh, we started covering, nobody really covered their football. And so at one two seven, the game, uh, we picked them up in 2015, which was Keelan's uh, junior year. He'd already came off a, a pretty good sophomore year and uh, knew a little bit about him, just reading about him as a sophomore. But he was recruited into Wesleyan, and Wesleyan doesn't give scholarships. I mean, they didn't. They do now, but they did not at the time. And he was recruited in as a guy who to play defensive back from uh, Louisville Central uh, High School. And uh, I know Coach Holesclaw, who coached him at Wesleyan very well, and uh, he brought him in. He said the first couple practices, they saw the potential at the receiver spot and thought, we're just going to throw this guy wide receiver and see what happens. And he had a pretty good quarterback his sophomore and junior years at, at Wesley. And actually, the quarterback now plays overseas professionally still to this day, Dalton Oliver, pretty good quarterback. And we picked him up his junior year and he had a career year. I mean, uh, 24 touchdowns, I think, as a junior at Holy Kentucky at the Division two level. Which for Wesleyan, they normally ten game schedule. They one and nine at best. Uh, sometimes zero and ten. And uh, you know, Keelan was the kind of guy we we covered him from a little bit. We covered their games as a junior, but we didn't dive into him until his senior year. We had a coaches show. We'd have uh, Buffalo Wild Wings came on board, and we had a bunch of fans out to, to Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, through that uh, summertime when they were getting ready for football season, they had the Raiders, the Jets, the Browns were in town. It's different. It's a lot different for Kentucky West. They don't get that attention very often. So started to take notice this young man. And what I noticed about him right away is just visiting their practices and whatnot. He's the kind of kid that would stay an hour after practice catching balls or, you know, just things, just working on everything you could possibly work on. And he was extremely humble. I mean, we had him on with us to do interviews, uh, live interviews at, uh, at Buffalo Wild Wings multiple times. And you just – you would never know that he was the star player. I mean, he was just a great kid. And, 
there was things that he did his senior year at Westland that it blew my mind because he lost his quarterback at that point. They brought in a new quarterback who, I mean, he, he had arm talent. Duke could throw the ball 70, 80 yards. I mean, he had amazing arm talent. Didn't look like he did much film homework, and his offensive line was – it made the Vikings offensive line look all pro. I'll just say that. It was an awful, awful group. And, I mean, oh, man. you see this guy, and, and the best play in the playbook was to take a three-step drop out of a shotgun and just throw it as far as he could to Keelan, and it worked. I mean, you look at the numbers he put up as a senior, I, I believe he still had 16 touchdowns as a senior. He was pretty much the only player on that offense, and – There'll be multiple times where you think, oh, man, Keelan hasn't done any, hasn't done much today. And they can't get the ball to him, and then they just throw one out there. You go get it kind of Randy Moss-esque at, at a Division II level, and just dominant. I, I saw uh, defenses that I've never seen. They would shade uh, a safety all, all the way over to his side with, uh, with two corners over there on top of him, and they still couldn't stop him. And, you know, I knew that he was talented at, at that level, and I, I thought that he could probably catch on with an NFL team as a practice squad player. But I really didn't know, you know, just seeing the competition he was going against, how that would translate, uh, you know, a guy that just walks on to the school like Wesleyan. I mean, how how talented is he really? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with Vikings fans don't know anything about a guy like that, you know, like Adam Thielen type of, type of guy, you know, right? So, uh, you know, in, in talking to him or whatnot, the season had ended. Um, he put up these nice numbers and um, – he started going to draft camps and whatnot. So we had him on talking about the camp circuit and I could tell just talking to him behind the scenes, he was kind of frustrated at not getting much attention. I was trying to get his name out as much as I could. You know, talking to Jordan Reed a lot about, Hey, check this guy out. It's hard to, hard to scout a guy because he's not playing great competition, but right. um, you know, all in all uh, he, he went up, I think he was at the Vikings, a regional combine and did really well there. And then he went down South and did a combine there. And knowing he's not going to get drafted, but maybe get picked up on a roster. And uh, the Jaguars took a flyer on him. And uh, I remember the first mini camp, the rookie camp, right after the draft, he called in to our, to our show and talked about working with Keenan McCardell, about how, you know, he looked up to Keenan McCardell his entire life and to get to play, uh, you know, play under him as a coach. You know, he loved that opportunity. And they, I know – that whole first year, that's why I think the connection is there with the Vikings because I know that first year he was extremely close uh, with Keenan McCardell. And, and I know that, you know, he was a guy that came in. And I, I saw an Adam Thielen pass. I thought, well, best case scenario for Keelan is he's going to jump on a practice squad. Second year, he'll probably make an impact on special teams. He was a tremendous special teams player. I mean, it was one game I remember specifically they didn't catch many balls because they had a really good defense, the team they were playing, and he, he, he was a punt return guy. They they kick a punt down inside the five-yard line. It's a no-go. You should never touch the ball there. <laughs> he runs back, picks it up against three defenders right in his face. He goes untouched, about 96 yards for a touchdown. And those are the kind of impact plays that he made at Wesleyan. And so, you know, just knowing that potential in, – in, in, I just thought maybe still at an NFL roster, you think that's very difficult to make for a guy like Keelan. Well, he goes in right away. And, and I know I, I was following all the Jaguars beat reporters on this guy. I'm a big fan of him. I thought he was a great kid. I just wanted to see him succeed. I thought it'd been a great story and, and, and following him through the Jaguars camp, that rookie camp, the mini camps. Uh, he was the last player, the first player there, last one to leave. And, and I think he made a big impression. Tom Coughlin was there running the team at that time. And I know that it made a big impression on Tom. And you make a big impression on Tom Coughlin. I think that's, that says a lot. And that's uh, Mike, that's Mike Zimmer asked too, right? Like that kind absolutely. of mentality, right? That old school mentality. Absolutely. That hardcore, you know, everybody likes a hard worker. And, and, and I tell you, Keelan, I'll never forget the moment that I knew that he was legit was, we were doing. We do barnstorming shows. We do a lot of high school coverage here in Owensboro and around the area. And we're, we do a barnstorming tour in the fall when they get ready for high school football season. And we interview kids and whatnot. And we were over in a neighboring county doing a show at its restaurant. And my producer was watching the uh, Patriots Jaguars game, which was the first preseason game that year, on his phone. And we're in the middle of the show, and we're I'm interviewing a kid, an offensive lineman from Muhlenberg County, Kentucky. 
And my producer just breaks in. I mean, the middle of this interview is like, you got to see this. We're in a live radio <laughs> show. And he's like, Keelan just went 97 yards on the Patriots, his first play over the top, blew right by the corner, just like I'd seen him do at Division Two. And right then I knew, I was like, this young man is going to be all right. And he was so good that preseason as a rookie, as an undrafted rookie, he didn't even play the fourth preseason game. He was – he had made that much of an impact. He was a lock at that point. He was locked. Yeah, you knew he was making the roster. So they wanted to protect him in the fourth preseason game, which is almost unheard of for an undrafted rookie. And he finished the year that year as a rookie, as one of the top rookie receivers in the NFL and over the last month of the season. He was dominant over that last – when they had that really good run, I yeah. think, in 2017. So uh, I just think when you look at Keelan – uh, a lot of things the Vikings need. They, uh, Vikings fans on Twitter, I know they're harping on the three wide receiver. Got to have a third. I'm not as big on it. I, you know, I think we run the football so much. It's a more of a depth spot for me. But I think you look at Keelan, I think he has tons of untapped potential because he's been playing in Jacksonville. No yeah. quarterback play there really much at all. The receivers have been have been pretty good there, but they're not Adam Thielen. They're not Justin Jefferson. And, and I think if you plug the Keelan Cole, I mean, you're looking at a, at a very high ceiling for a young man that's 27 years old, probably not going to make a ton of money. I just think it's a great fit. And the big cherry on top, it's a huge cherry for Vikings fans because we don't have a, we don't have a return game. I mean, Vikings fans probably saw it in the Green Bay game. Keelan Cole to the house on a punt return. That one return alone, was more punt return yards than we had an entire season. So I just think he he, he adds a lot to the a, a potential at the three receiver spot and, and a punt returner. And I just think it, it's a no brainer with Keenan McCardell at, at the, uh, at the receiver coach spot. Yeah. And I think a lot of the things that you bring up, you know, obviously, yeah, they're a need, but that hardworking mentality that you've talked about um, that underdog role, right. Coming in at division two, not getting drafted, clearly somewhat frustrated with the whole draft process, right? Um, you know, finally getting his chance, proving people wrong. Like, that's what Zimmer loves in his players. Like, he, he wants those underdogs. Um, I think when you when you look at Keelan Cole, and the only reason I even know about him, uh, to be honest, is I actually traded Ryan for him in, in one of our dynasty football leagues. Um, and he actually – he had a good – last half of the season and I actually went back and looked at all his stats uh since he's with Jacksonville and, and, and they're phenomenal but uh that's the only reason I really knew about him and I kind of saw him posting these these good numbers and I was like this is crazy um and then find out you know Vikings maybe rumored to to be interested in him and um I just think he checks all the boxes uh for kind of what we're looking for and um, I know fans and Ryan, I'm gonna let you speak to this one a little bit, but I know fans are, are out here saying like, we don't need to sign a wide receiver three. Why sign one? Because the draft is potentially more loaded than it was last season in, in terms of wide receiver uh, position. So why should we go spend money when we have other holes to fill when we could just draft a rookie? What do you say to that? Yeah, you know, again, I, I, I think that it doesn't have to be an either or approach. I think it could be a both approach. The, this this draft is loaded with talent, and I don't think a Keelan Cole signing necessarily equals to not being able to draft a receiver. Uh, and again, this receiver class is deep. I mean, you can go early with, you know, one of the top guys. You could go in the mid rounds with like, again, very talented guys like from like Daz Newsome from North Carolina. There, there's a lot of good talent here. So I don't see the problem in double dipping because our history in the past, sure, we, we get lucky and, and we find the diamonds in the rough, like the Stefan Diggs, the Adam Thielens in the undrafted uh, free agent market. Um, but we also have a lot of duds too, and like Stacy Coley and, 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 and those type of guys where if you can kind of hedge your bet with a proven guy like Keelan Cole, like Steven said, has untapped potential because he has been playing with some of the worst quarterback play in the league. And let's and and at worst, at very worst, you know you get a solid punt returner. I mean, I, I don't see how that's an issue unless he's going to be making big time bucks. Which again, I don't I don't think he's going to demand that in this market, given what we know about the salary cap situation as well as just his play. I know he's put up good numbers, but it's not like he's putting up multiple multiple thousand year 
uh, seasons, right? So I think that you can get him at an affordable cost. You get a punt returner at very least and likely a wide receiver three or a wide receiver four, and you can never have too much depth. Um, one of the things I was going to ask Steven is, well, let me preface this real quick. I've always had a bug in my shoe about, about Keelan Cole because he basically overtook D.D. Westbrook um, in the early, in the early days of for DD's career. And, uh, Steven, I know you don't know me. I'm a big Oklahoma fan. So DD okay. Westbrook was my guy. I, I love him and I still do. I, I wouldn't mind if we bring him in. Um, but, uh, Keelan Cole just kind of kept popping up and stealing that play time, stealing those targets. And I'm like, who is this kid? Um, and one thing I never, you know, I, I've watched some of what he does and of course I've had him in fantasy and stuff, but what do you say are some of the things that he does really well as a receiver, uh, compared to like a DD Westbrook or some of the other counterparts he had in Jacksonville? Just, it just, he's refined really in most everything that he does. I, I, I think he works so hard that, you know, he digs in, I mean, getting advice from uh, Keenan McCardell, what can I do to get on the field? And he just outworks you. I mean, I, I, at the end of the day, I think that's what got him a spot. I mean, I think it, the, it really explains how hard of a worker he is when you are an undrafted rookie wide receiver and you come in and you don't even play in a fourth preseason game as a rookie. I think that says a lot to your work ethic, especially impressing a guy like Tom Coughlin. But, I mean, he, he has a lot of tra- – I mean, he can go over the top. He can line up in the slot. I mean, there's a lot of things that he does well. What I like best for him as as a Viking would be a punt return guy. And and you talked about – you guys talked about drafting a guy, you know, after getting stung by that a year ago. I'm not saying that a rookie uh, punt returner isn't a a solid plan, but it hasn't really panned out. I I need more of a sure bet, and and I think Keelan has proven – I mean, to at least be sure-handed back there. He has a little bit of explosiveness to him. And it's something that, you know, we got to move on from the let's bring back Marcus Sherrill's in week 10 every year. I mean, it's time to find a guy that we can get in the lineup and be consistent. And what I, I think Keelan just has so much untapped potential that we haven't seen. I, I can't imagine that Keelan lined up in a three wide receiver set with Thielen and Johnson. I mean, I, I, I think Jefferson, I think that I just think there's a ton of potential there that's untapped. You look at what he's done in Jacksonville uh, with the with the offenses, and I mean, I, I have I got his stats. I mean, you look down at 748 yards as a rookie, uh, under 500 yards the next two years, but last year in 2020, the 642 yards and five touchdowns. Not to mention the return touchdown, and his average returns pretty good. I mean, considering what we've been dealing with. So, as far as getting on the field over Westbrook, I just think he outworks guys. I mean, honestly, and I think. Uh, old school coach like Doug Marone, I, I think that stands out to coaches like that. And like uh, you mentioned uh, with Coach Zimmer, a hard-nosed guy, anybody's going to go out there and put that kind of work in is our kind of guy. And, and you talked about commanding money. I just don't see it. I mean, I, I don't think he's going to command a, a large contract. I think he's kind of flying under the radar, which I think would be perfect. We can come in and get him at, you know, at, at a low cost. And I think we have the inside track with, uh, with Keenan McCardell, wide receiver coach. Yeah, I mean, when you when you look at these other wide receivers that are potentially going to be on the market, um, you know, you got Kenny Galladay, you got Allen Robinson. Uh, potentially, they could just get tagged, and, and they're not actually out there, but they're potentially big names. Um, and then we learned today, you know, Golden Tate gets cut. Um, I already saw some tweets flying out there that should we be interested in him. Uh, but I, I think to your point, Keelan Cole, you know. They like to do these under the radar signings. The Vikings are pretty 27 years old too. 27. <laughs> that's, that's a Rick's film and special right there. And, and I think to your point, like the, the biggest draw to me is we ha- like the punt return ability. Fantastic. We need to stabilize that position. You know, he can do it. Let's get him in here for that. But I also think that like, to your point, he's played in Jacksonville for the last few years. Like put, I want to see this kid next to Jefferson and Thielen. Right. When all the attention is is just at those two and now Irv Smith and you got Dalvin Cook in the backfield, it's going to be for somebody like Keelan Cole, who appears to to have it put together and has a lot of, you know, the characteristics that you'd want in a wide receiver. I think he could just flourish. And if you can get him on a two year, you know, I don't even know what he would go for, to be honest. I, I, I didn't really look, but I'd imagine he goes for like two years, 10 million. That's what I was thinking. Something Two, like 10, that. 12 million. Yeah. Something like that. 
And I think that if you can get them in here for something like that, you, you, you just have to do, it. you have to pull the trigger. And to Ryan's point too, um, you can still draft a guy uh, yeah. as well, but, but to get a guy. And I, like, see a, I see a lot of these guys actually going on one-year deals this year. Again, this cap's going to be lower. Most of the, most of these teams are, I mean, literally cutting quality players that they shouldn't normally need to cut, but they have to, to get under the cap. There's not going to be a lot of money to be spending on these guys. And those, that money is going to get spent on the Robinsons, the Gallaudets, the Curtis Samuels, the Will Fullers, that it's going to leave the Keelan Coles and, you know, some of these other kind of second, third tier receivers to have to, again, probably take one year deals, prove it deals um, for cheap. And because they're not going to want to sign a two year deal for, you know, six, seven, eight million because they know they can make more than that next year. Right. So they'll take a one year, whatever they can get top, top dollar, whoever it's going to be two to five mil. And then, and then hopefully cash in because like, like you guys have said, he's 27. So he's got like one good payday in him for like a big contract. So he's got to take advantage. So he'll probably, again, this is just me um, guessing obviously, but I assume that he'll take a one year, maybe two, but probably a one year deal, prove it deal, and then hope to cash in next year. I do have one quick question for you, Stephen. Sure. Uh, just about Keelan Cole, and, and then we can move on to to kind of some of the other topics here. But uh, why do you think that he? And I didn't really prep you for this, so I'm sorry for putting you on the spot. But, That's all but right. why, I'm ready. why do you think that that Jacksonville doesn't want him? You know, we're we're hyping him up over here, uh, talking about all his skill set and and under the radar, but but. Jacksonville, they're about to get Trevor Lawrence. They're about to, you know, they could really have a solid group there with a good quarterback now. Why Why does Jacksonville not want him? That's a great question. What's it, Jacksonville? I mean, I mean, I don't know what – I mean, what do they do that makes sense? I mean, they, they brought in a new regime, I would say. That would be the first thing I would point to. A lot of his old coaches are gone. The guys that can vouch for his hard work. And you look down, maybe the production isn't – doesn't jump off the page and, and I think maybe and even though and I still think Jacksonville's in the mix I know he loves it there I haven't talked to Keelan uh in a couple of years his rookie year I kept in touch with him a lot uh especially through uh the end of the year and then when he came in he does a he did a uh, camp at Kentucky Wesleyan for kids and I was actually on vacation that week and we did a radio interview with him but I wasn't present for that and I haven't talked to him since then uh, we, since the COVID hit and all that, it's, it's been kind of touch and go. But, uh, you know, I, I would think that Jacksonville is interested. You know, I think they're probably in the mix of probably letting him gauge his market. Keelan probably wants to know what he's worth. And to be honest, if you're Keelan, how much interest do you have in returning to Jacksonville? I mean, yeah, it's Trevor Lawrence coming in. It is Urban Meyer, but it's a whole new regime. you got to prove yourself all over again. I, that's why I think, again, I mean, you got to prove himself in Minnesota too, but – he has an ally in Keenan McCardell, and I think Keenan knows the kind of work ethic that he has. And that's why I think that the, the inside track, I think the first call has got to be to the Vikings. And I mean, he, he was, he, he went to the Vikings combine, you know, before he was drafted. I hope, you know, uh, the North kind of rubbed off on him when he was up there a little bit. And uh, I'd love to have him. I'll shoot him a text and just say, Hey man, we want you in Minnesota. Be sure. And the great, the best facilities in the league, man. And uh, you know, we're looking and you get to play with two wide receivers. I, I think, uh, what you said about the one-year deal, I think that that'd be a bet on yourself. I think if you're Keelan, yep. go in, you bet on yourself. You know, the cap's going up next year. You're playing next to two of the best receivers in football. Kirk Cousins is obviously proven. I know he's maligned out there by people and whatnot, but he puts up numbers. He gets the ball in the receiver's hands, and Keelan has not had that. I think you put him in this offense, and you feature him as a three-wide receiver in our three-wide receiver sets, and you're going to see numbers you haven't seen from him in his career. I, I, I truly believe that. And this is the kind of guy that the Vikings in the past have targeted. These guys that are under the radar, that have been in the league. I know it was more of a children's type of thing. When they when they picked up these guys you've never heard of that have been in the league, and then they come out and they excel, the Basante Shankos and, you know, the Chester Taylors of the world. But I see him as that type of guy that comes in. He's already been in the league, and nobody knows who he is, and he's a superstar by the time he's done in Minnesota. So I think that's what you're looking at with Keelan Cole. Well, when you shoot him that text to uh, to tell him that we want him here, tell him that every other year we don't make the playoffs, so he can head right back down to, to some warm weather. <laughs> That's it. It's perfect. You got a chance at the <laughs> NFC Championship game at least. Yes. Anything beyond that, we can't we can't promise you much. And a whole lot of heartbreak. He'll get that That's here right. too. That's right. <laughs> uh, I want to move the, the topic along. We uh, we heard yesterday um, 
about Kyle Rudolph uh, in the Vikings parting ways. Um, not really much of a surprise here, but uh, just kind of want to hear hear your takes on it. I mean, he was here for for ten years. Um, you know, I know he he ranks pretty high in in receiving categories as an all time Viking. Um, up there with the likes of Carter Moss and and Steve Jordan and things like that. So, um, what are you, what are your thoughts on, on the Kyle Rudolph stuff going on, Ryan? You know, I mean, it's something that was expected, right? We we knew he probably wasn't going to be back. I think it was even a like a month or two ago he put his house up on the market. So that was kind of the first sign. Uh, and, and of course, just the cap situation, what we're going through. We have Irv waiting in the wings. He needs to. Uh, he needs to blossom a little bit more and we need to see what we have in him before we have to make a decision on his contract. So I, I think, uh, you know, it was, it was a good time uh, to you know, move on. Unfortunately, obviously you don't want to, right. Uh, from a guy who's put in all that blood, sweat and tears into the organization, he you know gave us 10, you know, his 10 of his best years of his life uh, to, to the, not only this team, but this community. Um, he made such a huge impact him and his wife, uh, I think her name's Jordan, I believe, um, made such an impact in, in the community that uh, it's sad to see a guy like that go. Um, I, I don't think it's a surprise. Um, and, and, you know, again, you hate to see him go. You wish him the best in his next stop. He might be joining uh, Diggs. Uh, here. That's one of the potential destinations. Um, so hopefully he has an opportunity to go win a ring elsewhere. Um, and, and, and thrive hopefully in an offense that maybe will utilize him a little bit more than we did here. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, respect to him. I love what he brought to this organization, the leadership, the, the touchdowns, the fun one-handed catches, um, clutch catches like that, that uh, New Orleans game and a couple you know, back of the end zone touchdowns, one-handed touchdowns. Those are all fun. So he's given us some good memories. He's given a lot of kids in this community, a lot of hope and a lot of, um, a lot of love. And I think that uh, we need to appreciate and applaud him and celebrate him versus, you know, tearing him down for not breaking tackles and not being the fastest guy in the field and uh, not putting up the biggest numbers recently. Cause I see some of that on, on Twitter. And it's, again, let's just appreciate the man for what he did in the 10 years he was here. Yeah, he was, he was consistent. I'll give him that, you know, and, and he was brought in as a, as a second round draft pick back in the day. And um, you know, I think that, to your point, you know, he, he's just done so many great things off the field. Um, I saw Anthony Harris kind of tweet at him uh, moments before we even hopped on this show and, and just kind of highlighted the fact that, like, when your goodbye in the NFL lasts more than a day, like it has with Minnesota Vikings fan, you know that you did something impactful um, for that area. And I think that a lot of fans um, looked up to Kyle Rudolph Um you know, he was always that constant in their life as the quarterback door was constantly changing and head coaches a little bit. Um, granted, he only had a couple, but, uh, you know, he was that constant for, for a lot of Vikings fans over the years and, and a fan favorite. So um, any thoughts from you, Stephen, on, on Kyle Rudolph? Yeah, you know, his career in, in as a Viking may be ending, but his reach in Minnesota is going to last a long time. I mean, the stuff he's done with the hospital off the field. And, you know, I, I think that's something that even after his career is over, he'll come back to, and he'll always be a Viking. I was, I'm a huge Notre Dame guy. So I watched him at Notre Dame. I was thrilled when we drafted him and, you know, the clutch moments. I mean, you talk about clutch. I mean, the saints game, a lot of people aren't going to remember the big catch he had to get us in field goal range against Seattle. Cause it was followed up with the bad miss field goal. But, you know, it seemed like Good when point. the game was on the line, man, he, he stepped up and, and, red zone targets, you know, that's something that we're going to miss. I mean, you know, and it, it, just his leadership and that's, you know, just, he's just beloved by everybody, you know, and, and you, you can't criticize. I mean, yeah, you block, maybe didn't break as many tackles as you would like or whatever, but the dude's a, a class act on and off the field. And whether he's playing in Minnesota or he's playing in Buffalo or Cleveland or wherever it may be, the work he's done off the field is going to have impacts for years and years and years. And that's something that transcends football. It's way bigger than football. And, uh, those guys don't come around very often. So, you know, I think Vikings fans and, and they'll cheer Kyle Rudolph uh, unanimously across the board. As long as we're not playing them, I think we'll cheer for Kyle Rudolph to get a ring because he absolutely deserves it. He's a hundred percent professional. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. And, 
you know, I know you mentioned uh, kind of the skill set he brought. Um, I know when he came into the league, he was mainly just a receiving tight end, right? It, you know, his blocking needed a whole ton of work. And I'd say by the time he, he finally finished his uh, career here in Minnesota, he was a damn good blocker. Um, he, he worked his ass off to, to kind of get to that point. And, you know, to your point, I think all Viking fans will root for him um, wherever he goes. Um, I would love to see him win one with Diggs. Uh, but that's just because sure. I'm a dig Stan. I'm a dig uh, guy too, man. Dig <laughs> guy all the way. So um, I, I hope the best for him. Uh, fantastic person, fantastic player. Um, and I'm sure in a, in a few years, we'll get him back here on a one-day contract to retire a Viking. So, um, for sure. For sure. Someone who He's I don't see. Guy. Ring of honor yeah, guy. For sure. He definitely is. Um, someone I don't see retiring here. Um, and it was brought up last week. Uh, but it's Anthony Barr, and uh, I want to touch on him because we just recently heard that maybe he's unwilling to restructure his contract to kind of give Vikings cap relief. Now, uh, if you cut him this year, uh, if he doesn't want to restructure, fine, whatever. It's a $7 million cap savings and I think a $7 million dead cap, so yep. it's nothing really. Um Whereas if you restructure them, you kind of lose flexibility down the road um, because I know you could cut them next year and save uh, a pretty, pretty penny as well. Um, what are your thoughts, Ryan, on, on just Anthony Barr in general um, as a player and then just his, his unwillingness to, to restructure? Um, one quick note before you answer, I find it odd that he won't restructure when uh, the only reason he's here is because somebody else, a leader on this team, Everson Griffin, restructured his contract back in the day to let him stay. So um, is it a selfish act? Is it, is it, you know, I'll let you kind of take it from here, but give me your thoughts. Um, yeah. I mean, to what you said, I, I think it would be silly for us to want to restructure. He is one of those players that apparently does a lot more than we know as the average everyday fan for the scheme that we run. And, and you did see that this year when he wasn't playing and our run defense suffered, you know, quite a bit. And obviously I know there's other components to that with Hunter being out, Kendricks being out for roughly half the year. Or so um, rookie corners, all of that, there, there's a lot of factors, but um, the bars leadership and what he brings to this team from a um, ability to run different zone schemes, run different um, blitz schemes, all of the different things that he does for the team. He is a very valuable piece. So to your point, Sure, yeah, you can cut him and you can gain $7 million worth of cap space. Um, but now what do we do with that position? We don't have somebody waiting in the wings. Eric Wilson's a free agent, so we can't rely on him. Um, you can go sign somebody, and that might be a viable option. A guy like Kyle Van Noy or Jamie Collins or somebody like that might be able to fill in that void similar to what he was doing. But we don't know, one, if they're going to be a battle and two if they can fill that void as well as he can so that's kind of a tough call because there's a lot of risk there you know and then from a restructure standpoint now you're just kicking the, the the money down the road so now we're locked into him for more years we don't have as much flexibility next year when we might need it given the fact that kirk's contract's gonna or his cap it's gonna balloon up to 45 mil so what do we do then? We're going to probably have to save somewhere in by restructuring this year. It's going to be hard for us to be able to do anything. So I say we let him play out this year, see what he does. If he can come back and play hundred percent and get, give us some more stats that we're not used to seeing out of him uh, as well as being as productive as he has been in the run game. Again, I know a lot of people give him crap for that Rams uh, game where he got destroyed by Cooper couple night. Again, that was just bad scheming. That was bad coaching more than it was him, right? Um, and But typically, he's actually a pretty good pass defender, actually. He's pretty good in the zones. Um, he does a pretty good job. So um, I say you let him play out this year, see how he does, and then um, next year you can make that call if you want to cut, restructure, uh, renew, negotiate a completely new contract, what have you, um, and go from there. I, I just don't think it's viable and a smart idea to do either a cut or restructure this year. Steven, any thoughts? Yeah, you know, first thing, I don't I don't necessarily know that Anthony Barr is worth 15 million a year, but 
I'll tell you this, a lot of Twitter experts out there act like they know more about defense than Mike Zimmer, and that's just not true. I mean, I'll take Mike Zimmer all day, every day, and, and I think that's his guy. I think Anthony Barr, I think when you look at the history and, and what they what they did to try to get Anthony Barr back, I think it tells you how valuable that Mike Zimmer thinks he is to the offense. And I'll take Mike Zimmer's word over it all day, every day. And I, Now, you know, do I think the team would like for him to restructure, maybe try to help the cap situation in, in his cap press year? Probably. I mean, they probably would, but I can't hold it against Anthony Barr. I mean, if they walked into my office tomorrow and said, hey, you're gonna, we're going to cut your pay by blah, 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 so we can bring another person to help you do your job, I'm, I don't, I don't want to lose the money. I'll just you – know, it is what it is. I, you know, and so I, I agree you know, it, it, with Anthony Barr. And if he doesn't want to take – and I don't necessarily know, like like you said, I don't know that it's a good idea to – to restructure. I mean, I think maybe coming off an injury, which is concerning, let's be honest. I mean, how's he going to bounce back from injury? You know, I think those are things you got to wait and see. I think he does do a lot of hidden things. And and if we cut him, it's $7 million in savings for 7 million in dead money, which we haven't been very, we've been good at in the past, but last year it was a high number of, of, of dead dollars there. So I think, you know, I think we bring him back at that amount for one year, see what happens. And if worst case scenario, if he underperforms, we let him go. But, you know, I think I think Zimmer holds him valuable and I think you got to keep him. It's seven million dollars. What are you going to sign with seven million? I mean, I don't even know if you can sign Eric Wilson with that seven million dollars. So, yeah. you know, if people see the 15 million number and they think, oh, we just got to cut him because it's 15 million. But you're only saving seven. So what are you really going to get back? After that, I mean, you're going to pay more to bring in somebody else. It's going to be a higher number. So I think you bring back Anthony Barr. I think he's very valuable to Zimmer's defense. And and let's see what happens. I mean, you know, he's been up and down. I've been a huge Anthony Barr guy. But uh, if Zimmer believes in him, I got to believe in him, too, as long as Zimmer's here. Yeah, I think I think the the knock on him a couple of years ago was that it just looked like he wasn't giving much effort. Right. It looked like he didn't really care when he was out there. Um now, I don't know if that's true or not, uh, but I, I do think that, uh, you know, we've heard at least over the last year and, and to Ryan's point, we saw it in front of our own eyes, just kind of what he does provide for that defense. You know, he knows Mike Zimmer's defense in and out. Um, he's lining up players uh, where they need to be, <clears throat> where they need to be. And, uh, you know, I think did Eric Wilson take that that responsibility or is that that go to Kendricks? Kendricks. Yeah. And so now look at that. You got Kendricks and Barr in the same in the same lineup again. They both know how to do that role. Um, you know, I think that can only benefit the Vikings defense. And, you know, I, I do think Anthony Barr's versatility, uh, you know, he, he can he can kind of do it all. Um, and, and I think that that was missed last year. I, I think that if Anthony Barr is here, we probably have a little bit more pressure um, to quarterbacks. I think Zimmer kind of dials him up a little bit more. Um, maybe sends him and and Harrison Smith uh, because then you have Eric Kendricks behind you and you can kind of you know rely on that that safety net. Whereas last year you couldn't take as many risks uh, with blitzing because you got rookie corners and you got you know Eric Kendricks is good. Eric Wilson is good as well, uh, but but not to the level of Anthony Barr. So um, I think I agree with you guys. Um, you know I I, I think that it's probably best to just, just let them play this year out, keep that flexibility down the road uh, because there is a lot of stuff coming down the road. We got Kirk Cousins contract potentially coming up um, a big chance to just kind of do a 2022 cap reset in a sense. Um, if, if that's the route you want to go. So uh, before we end the quick, show, uh, quick, yeah, go ahead. Actually uh, puts in the comments here that, um, Kendrick did it for a game, but Wilson did it for the rest of the year. And then folks find that that's maybe why nobody knew what they were doing on defense last year. So, no, again, I think it is, a, it's important to have that leadership. It's important to have that. Um, and again, yeah, you're right. Both of you guys are right. 15 million is way too much. I think for pretty much any linebacker, that's not 95% rushing that's right. Uh, you know, obviously like Khalil Max are worth that type of money as a linebacker, but um, as an off ball linebacker, I don't think any linebacker is really worth that much. Um, so, but we need him and we don't have a, a player in the wings that can replace him. Uh, so it's going to be an expensive replacement. It just doesn't make sense. Uh, before we, we wrap up today, um, I don't know if you guys had a chance to, to kind of, 
listen in on, on Rick Spielman's press conference today. Um, I didn't even know it was happening until I got a Twitter notification uh, that, that he was live, but um, just, just some quick, quick points that he called out. Um, and I'll let you guys kind of let me know what, what you think about some of these comments. Um, you know, we heard last season uh, a rumor that Daniil Hunter was maybe uh, upset with his contract. Maybe he was going to hold out. Uh, Spielman quickly said, no, there's no issue there. Um, also mentioned that um, amidst all the trade rumors with Kirk Cousins, uh, Kirk, quote unquote, is our quarterback going forward. Now, I think we've all heard that that statement before. Uh, Diggs, Harvin, you name it. Um, and then, you know, he mentioned that that this is going to be an active free agent market. So, you know, I'm, I'm willing to, to kind of listen to you guys and see what you thought of uh, Rick Spielman's comments today. Uh, if there's anything to really take from it or if this is just window dressing to, to kind of get us to the next stage of the offseason. Steven, you can you can take us off here. Yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of it was was kind of coach speak type of stuff. You know, uh, you know, there wasn't anything a ton of substance. I did uh, think the uh, the comment about uh, Eric Wilson. Somebody asked about Eric Wilson's contract or whatnot, and uh, talking about how maybe he could be replaced by Troy Dye. I think that kind of stuck out. It kind of made it seem as if it almost to me. I kind of took from it. Anthony Barr would be back back to the last topic in the sense to say he almost talked about Barr and Kendricks and kind of left Wilson out to dry a little bit uh, I do think Wilson gets a little bit of a bad rap because we asked him to do a lot more than we expected him to do going into the season on that frame and those types of things I think he he, he kind of stepped into a role that maybe was above his head a little bit which I mean kind of wonders how much how much he's going to want to get paid and he played admirably. I mean, again, to, to your to your point, I mean, he yeah, he wasn't going to do what we needed him to do, but he made like some fun splash plays. He had some interceptions, fumble recoveries. I mean, I, I think he, I, to your point, I think he played better than I expected him to. Number one, but yeah, it was a, he was definitely in over his head a little. Bit. Yeah, and, and you talked about Kurt obviously being our quarterback going forward. I don't take anything from that, really, to be honest. I mean, what what else can he say? I mean, he's got to address the trade rumors. I mean, I don't think the Vikings are going to trade Kirk Cousins. I mean, if somebody was to come to the table with a Stafford-like deal, you have to listen. I mean, in the NFL, a quarterback has never won a Super Bowl making the percentage of cap that Kirk Cousins has made against our cap. So, I think unless Kirk is going to play on a – discounted Brady or Breeze type of deal we're just I mean it's it's almost absurd to think that we could be a Super Bowl contender because it's never happened before not to say that Kirk's play doesn't deserve that kind of money if you stack it up against the league it absolutely does deserve that kind of money but those teams aren't winning Super Bowls I mean Aaron Rodgers hasn't done it Russell Wilson hasn't done it since he got paid it just doesn't happen so if if somebody comes calling with with the first round pick and a third round pick especially if it's like the 49ers at 12 and you think, hey, we can maybe package some picks and get up and get a rookie that we love a lot. You got to listen to that. And I mean, I know Rick and Zim are probably on the last year. I mean, they're on the hot seat. I mean, they don't produce. They may be out. So we may need to win. That may affect things. But if you look at the bigger picture, Kirk's money. And I mean, I know everybody talks about it. and Everybody's sick of hearing about it. And they defend Kirk left and right. But it's never been done. And to me, if you're not trying to win a Super Bowl, I don't know what you're doing. So you have to at least think about uh, the offers that are on the table, if there is any, and then move from there. Rick's not going to tell you that. I mean, he's not going to throw Kirk under the bus. He's went out and said Stephon Diggs is not going to be traded, and he's traded him. So nobody is untradeable. And uh, so I think – I do think Kirk will be the quarterback next year, but I do, you know, kind of take it with a grain of salt when he says those types of things. Other than that, you know, the, the line, Riley Reef, I know he commented on him, kind of sounds like questionable. You know, who knows? The cap, I don't, they don't even know what the cap's going to be right now. They think, you know, he says he's working at $180 million, but I think it's probably going to be probably more in that realm of $185. Um, so it just depends on what the offseason goals are and what they're trying to improve. Uh, you know, I, I like to see Reef back. I think he deserves to be back after the way he played last year, but there's no way they can bring him back at the salary that he set at. And, and I think, you know, it, it, we could be in for a shuffle. I think worst case scenario, you see O'Neill kick to the left side. And I don't really want to see that, but this is going to be a tough year. And I think Spillman, 
that's the thing I took out of it most. His somber tone when talking about there's going to have to be some tough decisions. I think that's probably the biggest thing I took out of the press conference today is that there's going to be some moves made, and I think the team's going to try to free up enough money to make other moves because I don't think they're uh, settled on a lot of positions across the board. There's a lot of holes on this defense. If they want to add a veteran corner, they want to improve the offensive line, and we need a three technique bad. I mean, it was it was atrocious last year, and until they make those improvements, uh, we're going to be an eight and eight, nine win type of team. Right. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and comment on, on a couple of things, but let me get to Mary's comment here quick first. She she asked if it, we thought it was funny that Rudy uh, mentioned Sam Bradford, Teddy, Teddy, and didn't mention Kirk in his goodbye. Um, so again, a couple of things from that goodbye letter that I found funny was that number one is the fact that Kirk wasn't mentioned again. There's probably nothing to read into here. I, I, I threw it out there on Twitter just to try to stir up the pot a little bit. And nobody really took the bait, unfortunately. But, you know, I, I, I just found that interesting, given the fact that Kirk was the quarterback he played with the longest in his whole tenure um, with us. Number two was the fact that he kind of threw Keenum under the bus, which uh, inadvertently, by just saying how Sam Bradford was so talented that they would have won the seven, you know, we would have won the Super Bowl in 2017 had Bradford been healthy, which I don't disagree with. You know, I'm a Bradford guy, Oklahoma, obviously, but like, I just kind of felt like it was funny. He didn't mention Keenan, which again, whatever, but, uh, and he didn't mention Kirk, but so to answer your question, Mary, I did kind of think it was funny. I thought it was uh, a little odd, but again, nothing to read into. I think there's just so many people you can thank um, in, in, uh, in, in one of those goodbye letters that, I mean, it could, it could be a novel, um, for how many people, these, or how many people these guys interact with. So, um, I'm not going to read too much into it, uh, to go to your question about Rick. Um, so I'm not going to touch base on Steven's points because I agree with all of them, you know, uh, spot on. I agree the exact same way you were talking about the reef and, and all the other points you made here. Um, a couple of things that he mentioned going back to quarterback is they, they did ask if he would, you know, consider looking at a quarterback in the draft. And he said a two part comment and I agree with one part and I disagree with the other. The, the first part was um, he said, you know, if there's a quarterback that we like, that's within range, uh, but we're not going to reach for a quarterback. Totally understand that. Totally agree with that. Never reach for a guy that you don't feel can make your team better. But the second part of that comment essentially was saying, Kirk's in the prime of his career. And so we're pretty much set there. And I just never agree with that mentality. I think you should always be looking for the next thing, always be looking for the next opportunity. Again, we don't know if Kirk's going to stay healthy. He has, he's always been healthy. He's been one of the healthiest quarterbacks in the league over the timeline he's been in, in the league, but you never know when that ACL tear is going to come, or you never know when that Achilles is going to come, or uh, Samia is going to miss another block and he's going to get his head knocked <laughs> off, right? Like, Samia's you not don't know. Again. I'll uh, tell you that, that right now. <laughs> that's true. But, you know, you just never know when that stuff's going to happen. So it's good to have that next waiting in the wings. The Patriots did it for years and they never hit on any of their quarterbacks besides, I think, two. But they, they drafted the most quarterbacks in the league or I think it was third most quarterbacks in the league since Brady took over. Even though you had the greatest quarterback of all time on the roster, they, they drafted the third most quarterbacks because they knew that when Brady's ACL went out in 08, they needed somebody, uh, hopefully at a high caliber, they got Castle. He performed well. Castle went and got paid elsewhere. They had Jimmy, who obviously played well when uh, Brady was suspended that one year. Uh, Jacoby Brissett who went and got decently paid from the Colts. But, you know, in, in worst case scenario, you draft these guys, you develop them, and then you get comp picks for them or you trade them for picks or what have you. And, 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 and you know, in the event that you actually do need them, you have a higher caliber guy. So to, to, to look at a guy like Kellen Mond or Jamie Newman in this draft in the third, fourth, you know, round, I don't think it's egregious to, to think that maybe we can address that in the mid rounds and keep taking chances on these type of guys. Cause knowing the Minnesota Vikings, we're rarely going to be in a position to draft a high caliber quarterback unless we trade up. I mean, we're always going to be the middle of the road team. We're rarely awful enough to get a top pick. So you have to take your chances on these guys and hope you hit on a Russell Wilson. Oh yeah. Obviously I'm not going to use Tom Brady as an example. Cause that's, uh, that's again, uh, just 
not I'm in this world, but you know, the, the Russell Wilson's, the Dak Prescott's of the world are, can be found in the third, fourth, fifth round. So, um, another thing he had mentioned was the, uh, which is, I think genius is the free agency and how we may attack it. Uh, he had mentioned that we might slow play this thing a little bit, try to see who's going to get cut. Uh, because people who get cut don't count against your compensatory pick situation. So, for example, last year we got a comp, a comp pick for Trey Wayans for him signing elsewhere and, you know, Matt, uh, Mac Alexander and a couple of these other guys. But and then we brought in guys. So that goes against the formula of what picks you get in the compensatory rounds. And But when you sign a guy who um, was cut, that doesn't go against your compensatory pick formula. Um, so I found that interesting because there's going to be a lot of talent that's cut. And if we were to attack that talent versus free agent, true unrestricted free agent talent, um, we, we could see dividends coming in, in the form of compensatory picks. Again, I don't think we're going to get a lot of them. Eric Wilson is, I think, one of our only higher caliber free agents. I don't think we have too many other high caliber ones. So um, so we might not see any dividends from that, but again, it's just a way to kind of, uh, view that as well, which I think is just a smart way. Of yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I think that, uh, that Anthony Harris could be up there too. Um, another point, another point really quick too, that I yeah. left out, uh, Spielman addressed, I think it was Jamal Stevenson, the head of scouting. Yeah. I know he was kind of rumored to maybe possibly be heading to Denver or whatnot, but Spielman talked today about how he had stepped into restricted free agents and have been in those meetings and have been a huge help. I thought it was interesting that he highlighted him, especially when a lot of fans kind of worried that he would be leaving. Uh, so maybe, uh, you know, that's a sign that he's going to be sticking with the organization. I know he'd said some things about some rules that would keep Denver from uh, getting him to come over there with Peyton. But I, I think that's a good sign for keeping him in our organization. I think he's a, lot of, a guy that has a lot of respect behind the scenes. Yeah, and I know uh, our own Jordan Reed has, has spoke highly of him as well. Um, in, in some group chats and stuff. So that's, that's a really good call out. Um, we are coming up on time here. So um, I, I do want to thank you guys uh, for coming on. You've been phenomenal guests um, covering everything from Keelan Cole down to, to Rick's presser today. So, you know, I really appreciate you, you making time and, and hopping on and for everybody in chat. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, make sure you you keep commenting and, and keep tuning in every week. Um, it is a new time next week. Uh, we have Darren Wolfson from uh, KSTP and Score North. So uh, it'll be myself, Ryan, Miles Gorham, and uh, Darren Wolfson. So I'm uh, super excited to have him on, um, kind of get some free agency scoops before the, the ball gets rolling. Um, uh, we'll, we'll pry for him and hopefully he gives us a little, little gossip, but uh, uh, make sure you, you tune in next week. It's at 7 PM central, not eight. Um, and with that being said, thank you again to everybody in chat and Steven, Ryan. Thanks again. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, great show. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.